Well, last week we started the series Breakout, and I, I can't think of a better time to be talking about this because we, we seem to be living in a time where we're going, I just want to break out of the rut that I'm, I'm stuck in right now with everything that's going on. And so I want us to take it and leverage that because I think that it's easy to get stuck in a spiritual rut and that we don't even look at it, we don't even identify it, but we need to break out of that. We looked last week as we started this, we looked at this idea of through the roof. And as we looked at this idea of through the roof, what we did is we started looking at this. We started looking at, hey, here's four guys that, that they saw of somebody, a, a friend, an acquaintance, and somebody they cared about. And they said, hey, we don't think that you should be stuck in the circumstance that you're stuck in. He was paralyzed. And they, they go, we, we want to bring you to Jesus. We're willing to carry you. Will you let us carry you? And so they do. They, they carry the guy to Jesus. They get to where Jesus is teaching and then the house that he's teaching at, it's packed, it's crowded out all around the house. They get there and they're like, well, what are we going to do? We, we, we can't get you. We need to get you to Jesus. It's, it's the only hope you have. And so they, one of them finally says, hey, well, why don't we go through the roof? And so they do. They, they climb up on this house. They lower this guy through the roof. And as they do this, what we got to read about is we read this, that, that Jesus seeing their faith seeing their faith. When we often think about faith as something you can't see, Jesus could see it. And seeing their faith, that, that whenever we take a step of faith, God takes notice. It's so important for us to know that, that whenever we take a step of faith, that God takes notice. And breakout. Breakout for us is going to require us to be people that we are willing to say, hey, I, I can identify where I am and it's not where I want to be. That it starts there if we're going to have this breakout. That for us, when it comes to a breakout, that they're only going to be pursued when we realize, when we feel like we're at a place that we really don't want to be at. That for us, a breakout, this breakout faith, it is where there's going to be a breakthrough, the barrier that creates distance between where we are and where God is. That's a breakout faith. And one of the things that we looked at last week with this idea of breakout is that a, a breakout faith is a faith that is willing to move on somebody else's behalf. That what am I willing to do for somebody else? That is a breakout faith. And today what we're going to look at is we're going to look at this idea of inspired by identity. When I think about this inspired by identity, uh, one of the things that just comes to mind is, is the way that, that we end up starting a sentence. And, and most of us, we, we've heard this in the sentences that started to come to us. Most of us have probably even said this sentence to others. And, and when we say, you look like, and there's so many different ways for us to, to backfill the sentence. That, that sometimes we might look at somebody and go, you look like a million bucks. And we're just telling you, you, they look so good right now. That we might say, we might look at them and they don't look so good. And we're like, you look like you need to see the doctor. And we do. We say these statements that you look, you look like you just saw a ghost. We can just see on their face the sense of shock and dismay and awe. And it's not positive. And we say these things to them. And we say that you look like, you look like you just had a bad day. That these are things that, that we will end up saying on this backside of you look like. But there's another one that's very common. And, and, and this one that's very common 
is one that, that I personally have experienced more at family reunion type gatherings than, than any other time. And, and this, this you look like, it, it, it takes on this kind of a feel to it. That you look like, and, and then they say a family member that you look like. And so my mom was born and raised in Ohio. She has three sisters. They were born and raised there. They stayed there. My grandparents stayed there. All of my cousins, that they all stayed within just a few miles of my grandparents. My sister and I were the only grandchildren, the only cousins on that side of the family that, that were not constantly around everybody. But we would make a trip every year. And as we would make a trip every year, there would be people who would say, you look like, and, and they would come to me and they would say this to me. Well, sometimes some of them would say Willie, because my grandma always called me Willie, but I never went by Willie either. But anyways, they would say, you look just like your mother. Now, now as a boy, that can create an identity crisis. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? You look like your mother. I mean, you know, for, for me, that, that, that's the last thing. I mean, the, the man in me even today still screams, no, anything, but don't, don't, don't say there's nothing I want to hear less than being told that I look like my mother. Now, it's not because I go, oh, my mom's ugly, because she's not. She's a beautiful person. She's beautiful on the outside. She's beautiful on the inside. In fact, I think about when, when Cheryl was first introduced to my family and we went and we had this, this uh, meal together and there were several family members that were there and, and as we came together and we had this meal and we had it at my parents' house and my mom had prepared it all, that, that Cheryl was surprised at all the different things that my mom had made and all the different ways that she had made the things that she did make so that everybody could be able to enjoy it the way that they liked it. My mom has a servant's heart. That, 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 but, but when people say to me, you look just like your mother, it's like, no, can, can, can you pick somebody that's of the same sex that I am to be able to say that's what I look like? That's, that's what I want to hear, but not this whole idea that I look like somebody of the opposite sex. You know, now, if, if they would have said you act like, I, I would have been totally fine with that. That would have been a huge compliment that I could have felt and heard. And I think that when people end up saying this thing, you look like, and they're, they're saying who you look like, I think they always mean it as a compliment. It just doesn't always feel like a compliment. And so we just need to be, be careful that, that I think if, if people were to say, you know what, there is something about you that reminds me of your mother, that would be totally fine. In fact, you could even be thinking, you look just like and say, think, think of somebody of the opposite side. You just need to say, you remind me of. And, and, and they can just interpret it however they want to interpret it. And it'll keep us from having some of these identity crises, especially when we are young and we are growing up. When I think about who we are as a church and I think about identity, one of the things I love about Crosspoint is I love that, that we are a church, that, that we have people that when it comes to their faith, that are on such a wide spectrum. We have people that come to Crosspoint that have a mature faith. We have people that, that come to Crosspoint that, that, that are very, very, at the very beginning, just a very immature, just getting started with their faith. We have people that have kind of given up on their faith and then they step back in and they're going, hey, I want to lean back into my faith. Maybe I, maybe I missed something. I want that back. We have people that don't have a faith. 
We have people that have a, have a different kind of faith that, that doesn't even believe in Jesus. That they'll come to Crosspoint. And I love that they come around here. And you know what else I love? I love that how we as a church, how we make them feel welcome. So that we welcome any and everybody. And I love that about us as a church. That, that, that we'll welcome people that, that they don't even really know much about the Bible at all. That, that we welcome people that they might go, you know what, the things that, that I know about Christianity, I don't even like and I don't even believe in. And, and that we have this attitude around here that says, you can belong here without having to believe what we believe. That you can find a place of belonging here and a place where, where you can feel loved and you can feel connected. Now, if I'm being honest, it, our desire is, is that, that we would love on them and they would stick around because we're loving on them and that they're going to keep hearing the reasons of why we believe what we believe and that they're going to start connecting the dots on, on the very things that we believe straight from Scripture about who God is and about who we are to be as people. And so I, I love that, that we have this approach when it comes to the way that we welcome people into our church. Because, see, there is an identity that we want everyone to have. And that is to have this identity of that, that you belong to God. That we want people to, to know that identity. You were created by God. And for people to be able to know that and to experience that. I think that for us as a church, because we are, are welcoming and loving and because we take that approach, I think we gain so much more traction than trying to take a, an approach that says, we're just going to try to jam Jesus down your throat. And it, it works so much better because we're offering to others hope that we have found in Jesus. That's what we're doing. And so when I think about this, I think about believing Jesus, not just believing in Jesus, but believing Jesus. Believing Jesus, not just believing in Jesus, breaks us out of sin's death trap. It, it, it can't just be something, though, that we go, that, that I believe in Jesus. I, yeah, I believe there was this guy 2,000 years ago, and yeah, he walked on the earth, and yeah, they, they said something about him being on a cross and dying. Yeah, I, I, I believe in, in that. And that I, it's not enough to believe in Jesus. You have to actually believe Jesus. And when you believe Jesus, what's it do? That when we believe Jesus, it sets us free from sin's death trap. That it releases us from this. It breaks us out of it. And what is sin's death trap? The sin's death trap is this. That if we have sin that is not forgiven, and the only way our sin can be forgiven is through Jesus and through believing him. That if we have sin that is unforgiven, that we're going to spend eternity after this life is over forever separated from God. We won't be in heaven. We will be in a very real place called hell. That is sin's death trap. And it's believing Jesus, not just believing in Jesus. It's believing Jesus that breaks us out of sin's death trap. So if you are a Christ follower, you have an amazing identity. 
You need to know that. That that if you are a Christ follower, you have an amazing identity. And just like when when I got around these family reunion type things and we'd get there and, and, and people would say, you know, you look just like your mother. I think it was meant as a compliment. I think the greatest compliment that could ever be said, I think the greatest compliment that could ever be heard is this, is that you look just like your heavenly father. You remind me of your heavenly father because of how they see us behave, how they see us love other people, how they see us serve other people. It's the greatest compliment that we could ever have is to know that our identity is found in our heavenly father and that we take on his identity and we live out our lives the way that he would want us to. It's the greatest compliment that we could ever say, that we could ever hear, is that you remind me of your heavenly father. Well, today what we're going to do is we're going to look at four keys to a breakout identity. Having this breakout faith, four keys to a breakout identity. And this first key is I am a child of God. That that if we're going to have this breakout identity, that that we would begin to to really embrace and understand that, that we are a child of God. That if you are somebody that you believe Jesus, not just believing in him, if if you believe Jesus, that that you are a child of God. And so I can't think of anything that would be more inspirational for our identity than to be able to live a life knowing that we are a child of God. See, when you're tempted to believe that you're just a nobody, when you're tempted to believe that you're just no good. When you're tempted to believe that, that you're not loved, when you're tempted to believe that you're just a failure, you need to remind yourself that you are a child of God. That that's where you find your identity. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, we'll look at this. And, and this was written by John the disciple, one of the 12 guys that hung tight with Jesus. And so he's, he's writing this after Jesus already resurrected from the dead. And, and we actually get to see this. It's right near the end of our Bible, the book of 1 John. So 1 John 3, 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is is what we are. It's, it's that we need to, to see this, see how much, what, how much our, our Father loves us, that he calls us his children. And God, he's lavished his love on us by creating us, and he's lavished his love on us by redeeming us, by sending Jesus for us. Let's look at something that, that a guy named Paul had to say about this, this very idea of being a child of God. And, and, and before I, I look at this and read this, in case you're not familiar with this guy, Paul, that used to be known as Saul, this is a guy that, that he rejected Jesus. He, he was part of the, the religious group. He was actually a Pharisee. 
And, and he was part of this religious group of leadership that, yeah, they believed that there would be this Messiah, this Christ that would come. They just didn't believe that Jesus was the fulfillment of that. And the reason they didn't believe that Jesus was the fulfillment of that is because they thought the Messiah, the Christ, they thought that, that that individual, when they came, would rally all the troops of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and set up a kingdom here on earth. That, that Paul, while Jesus was alive and here on earth, that Paul ended up making a living killing people who followed Jesus until he had a radical encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And it was so radical. But look at what he says here. He says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. That, that if you're led by the Spirit, then, then you are a child of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. This affectionate Abba, this, this daddy is what this is capturing. And this is, this is what we call him. This is how we know him. This is how close that we can be with our heavenly father. He says, for his spirit joins with our spirits to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. That, that, that there is a sense that, that we get to receive something. And, and, and this thing that we get to receive is because we are connected to our heavenly father and we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs in God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. That yes, it's great that we get to share God's glory and we're like going, yeah, yeah, more of that, more of that, more of that. But yet we're also going to have to share in his sufferings that there's going to be some difficulties, and the difficulties are going to come. But we know that we're going to be able to get past these difficulties because we are a child of God. That a breakout faith doesn't just say, I believe in God. That a breakout faith says, I am a child of God. You've unraveled me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies. Till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer. Chosen me 
born again into your family. If your blood throws See you. 
powerful message, that we really are a child of God, and that should be something that should stir in us. That should be something that causes us to be inspired about the identity that that we have been given through Christ. And so, yes, that's one of the keys to this breakout identity. And the second key is this, is that I am unashamed, that that I'm I'm a child of God, and I am unashamed. I'm unashamed of what? I'm unashamed of being a child of God. I'm unashamed of being a Christ follower. That we're talking about our identity. And that we would not be ashamed. Because as a child of God, we should never be ashamed of our identity that is found in Christ. And so here's Paul. And and he wants to address this as well. And so he addresses this and he says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, for I am not ashamed of this good news. Well, some translations don't say good news, they say gospel. Because that's actually what gospel means. The translation of gospel is good news. And that that this is the good news. And he says that the good news is that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the one who left heaven. He came to earth for us, and that when we believe him and we follow him, it is incredibly good news because it's that good news that lets us know that we are a child of God. And, and Paul, Paul knew what it was like to, to, to have this, this shame and this fear of, of being identified as a Christ follower because he was killing people because they believed it. But after he had this supernatural encounter with the resurrected Christ, speaking audibly to him, blinding him, it forever changed him. And he was never ashamed of being a child of God. He was never ashamed of being somebody who believed Jesus at this point now. So let's look at the rest of this. He says, for I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. If you're not familiar with that, that that people were either Jewish or they were Gentiles. If you were part of the Jews, you were Jew. If you weren't part of a Jew, you were a Gentile. That was everybody. And, and it's the power of God at work, the, the good news, that the gospel, the good news, it is the power of God. And that, that when, when we have the power of God working for us on our behalf, we, we shouldn't be ashamed of it. We, we should instead that, that we should be joyful for it, that, that we should be people that we're willing to tell others about the joy and the hope that we have, that, that we shouldn't be people that were going, oh, well, I'm hanging around you. You probably don't want to know about the fact that I, I'm a Jesus follower. I, okay, I'm just going to kind of hide that. You don't need to know that about me, and we can have our fun. Oh, but, but now that I'm around you, 
Oh, yeah. Hey, brother, what's up? You know, and getting all the churchy language. No, we should never be ashamed of our identity that is found in Christ. But there are countless reasons of why we should be talking about our identity in Christ. That, that, that when we begin to talk about our identity that is found in Jesus, when we do this, that we end up having people that they've been kind of cowardly about their faith and it shows them you don't have to be, you can rise up. When we have people that they haven't had any faith, they start seeing something in us and so that we should never be ashamed of our identity in Christ because if we do, if we are ashamed, we'll never have a breakout faith. Oh 
to see some of you guys standing up getting excited about that. Because, see, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be ashamed. We're, we're a child of God. It's one of the things that we need to know about this breakout identity, if we're going to have this, is that we are. We're a child of God. And that we, we shouldn't be ashamed, that we would be unashamed of this identity that we have in Jesus. And the third key to a breakout identity is I am not shaken. I'm not shaken. That, that there can be difficulties in life that come our way and that we would not be shaken by them. We're going to be looking in Daniel chapter 3 as we look at this in the Old Testament and as we look and we see about some guys that, that they were kind of challenged of, hey, are, are you going to take your faith seriously or not? And so let's look at this. And so let me set you up a little bit. So there was a king, King Nebuchadnezzar. We'll just call him King Nebi. And, and there's this king and, and King Nebi, he had had some advisors that had come to him and said, hey, you, you've accomplished so much. You've done so much. You've conquered so much. And, and, you, and you lead so much. We think that you should set up a, a gold statue in your honor. And this gold statue that they recommended, it, 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 it wasn't just nine feet tall. It was 90 feet tall. 90 feet wide. Not sure what that said about his body build, but it, that this structure that was built made of gold. And, and so they, they, they put this together and, and then they, they said, and King, we, we think that you should call people in and for them to bow down in your honor and, and, and bow down to your statue to worship your gods. And so the king, he, he sent invitations to officials and magistrates, to judges, to important people. They, they made announcements to the common people, and they, 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 they rallied everybody in for a dedication of this statue. We're going to start in verse 4 of chapter 3. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments. Bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So then all the instruments played and people started bowing down. And this all was taking place. But then somebody noticed that there were some who didn't bow down. And when they saw that, that there were these three guys that, that weren't bowing down, they brought it to the king's attention. And they tell the king, didn't didn't you say that everybody's supposed to bow down? And, and didn't you say that if whoever doesn't bow down is going to get thrown into the fiery furnace? Is, is that not what you said, king? Verse 12, so they go on. They say, but there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods. And do not worship the gold statue that you've set up. That they refuse and they're not willing to do this. And, and if you're wondering, well, why? Why was this so important for them that they wouldn't do this? I think it comes all the way back 
to the first of the Ten Commandments that God had given. And that very first commandment was, have no other gods. Have no other gods before me. And, and this was a commandment. It was the very first of these Ten Commandments that God laid out to Moses to give to the people. And so they're not bowing down. And because they're not bowing down, and, and Nebi's hearing about this, he, he, he goes into a rage. He, he cannot believe that, that they are not following. And so he ordered for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to come and report to him. And he asked them, is it, is it true that, that you refuse to, to bow down and, and worship my gods and bow down to my statue? Verse 15, the king goes on. He says, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? I, I think it was a rhetorical question. I think that the king, King Nebi, I think he was just kind of laying things out there for them. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. They're not shaken. And they're saying, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. Verse 17, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. Did you catch that? He's able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. That they believed that God would save them. They were bold with this breakout faith. And, and then they shared this thought. But even if he doesn't, we, we know that he's able. We believe that he will. But even if he doesn't, they said, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. They weren't shaken. That their lives were threatened because of the boldness of their faith. And they weren't shaken. They had a breakout faith, and their faith was stronger than their circumstances. That's a breakout faith. To have a faith that is stronger than the difficult circumstances that we end up finding ourselves in at different times. I wonder, I wonder how we will do with our faith when it gets challenged, when the, when the difficult times come. Is our trust in God, is that going to be greater than what we're seeing come at us? Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... They knew God could rescue them. They knew that God could rescue them. He has the power. Wasn't a question to them. 
They didn't know if God would rescue them. Because he has a purpose. That, that, yeah, God, God can. We know that he can. We know he's got the power. We just don't know for sure if he will. Because we don't know if that's going to match up with his purpose of what he's wanting to do in this moment. And so it was a, it was a high trust. They knew God as their father. And others knew that they weren't ashamed of their relationship with God. And now was the test to see how serious they were about their faith in God. Thank you. 
breakout faith. We have to be a child of God. We, we start here. That we have to be people. We're not ashamed of, of being a child of God. That, that we're people that, that we wouldn't be shaken no matter how difficult the times get. No matter how tough it seems in the moment. And the fourth thing is I am not alone. It, it's to be able to know that this truth right here is I'm not alone, that, that if we're going to have a breakout faith, we need to really know that, that God is with us and that we are never alone. And I can't think of a better example to show this than what happens with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego here. That what happens is King Nebuchadnezzar, he was so furious at their response, saying, hey, we don't need to prove it to you. And, you know, God, God, he's able to rescue us. He's going to rescue us. But, but even if he's not, we're never going to bow down. That what he ends up doing is he orders that the furnace be made seven times hotter than normal. And then he gets his bigger, stronger soldiers to come and, and bind them and then take them and throw them into the furnace. And as they begin to get close to throw them into the furnace... Yes, they get them in, but the soldiers, the men, they end up being burned to death because they got too close to the furnace that they threw these guys into. Verse 24, but suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and he exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed. That what had killed soldiers trying to get them close, they're in there walking around. It's not just three, but he sees a fourth individual. And this is what he said. And the fourth looks like a god. I, I don't know if he had like the God walk. I don't, I don't even know how to begin to try to show what that might look like if there is such a thing. But there was something in the way that, that he could see that fourth one that they knew they weren't responsible for putting in there. And they're going, he's God-like. Here are these three guys that had a faith that was so strong they weren't shaken. They were never left alone. And they knew that God was with them, and now they could see that God was with them. That our, our best guess 
is that this is what they would call the pre-incarnate Christ. That this is Jesus before he came in the flesh. And he's in there with them. Verse 26, the Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace. And he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out. Come here. And he calls them out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their head was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own. It took being unshaken, standing firm in their faith, in order to literally see that they weren't alone. That God was with them. Four quick thoughts to share with you. When it comes to breakout, breakout requires belief. You have to believe Jesus It starts here. The breakout requires belief. The breakout, it involves boldness. The breakout encounters battles. There will be some difficult moments and difficult times and that we will be challenged. And breakout experiences bliss. That these are all true of what it means to have a breakout faith. And that belief comes first and, and bliss comes last. And I think the, the two greatest obstacles to having a breakout faith are boldness and battles. Those are the two difficult ones. It's difficult at times for us to be bold with our faith. It's difficult at times for us to to, to weather through the battles. They are the greatest obstacles to a breakout faith. Don't settle for a belief in God that never discovers that God is with you.
Father, we pray today that you help us break out of our own selves. Understand all these I am of the new identity that you give us. Lead us to break out. In Jesus' name, amen.